Welcome to Interviews with Innocence, a podcast about spirituality, consciousness, and exploring the wisdom our children bring into this world. I believe that our very young children are our greatest teachers. After all, they're the masters of living in the present moment, bubbling in unconditional love, enjoying the messiness of life, and curious about the universe in all its dimensions. The pure essence that young children exhibit lives within all of us. My hope is that these interviews will help us discover, embrace, and connect with the sacred core of childhood that resides within each of our hearts. I am your host, Marla Hughes. Today, I am honored to have Lacey Finn Borgo on the show. Lacey teaches and provides spiritual direction for the Renovary Institute for the Doctor of Ministry and spiritual direction at Fuller Theological Seminary and for Portland Seminary. Did I say, say that right, Lacey? You did. Okay, you great. Did. You did. Lacey provides spiritual direction for adults through the Good Dirt Ministries and provides spiritual direction for children at Haven House. Her most recent book, which I am so excited to hear about today, mm. is mm. Spiritual Conversations with Children, Listening to God Together. So welcome, Lacey. It's great to, great to meet you and great to have mm. you here. Mm, so good to be present with you while yeah. being at a distance. <laughs> Absolutely. I know the, mm. ma- the magic of, of the internet in Zoom. Mm-hmm. So why don't you tell us a little bit about um, your background and your journey into spirituality? Sure. Um, well, I was, um, for, for years and years, I would start my journey, um, my spiritual journey, at being raised in a Baptist church. Um, I was raised in West Texas, the gritty, wonderful West Texas, um, <laughs> in the Baptist church. And for sure, it was a, for a spiritual formation all its own. But as I became an adult, <clears throat> and I began to study, actually, um, these different places where uh, the divine meets us in the warp and woof of life, um, I remembered an incident, an incident, a wonderful, wonderful incident that happened in the LaSalle Mountains in Utah. I was about five years old, and um, I remember it was back in the early 70s when parents didn't pay as much uh, close attention. Yeah. <laughs> we weren't helicopter parenting <laughs> yeah. as much at that time. And um, we were in the LaSalle Mountains, and my parents had gone up there to cut wood for the winter. It was the fall, so the aspen leaves were just a stunning gold. And the earth was kind of spongy from, you know, those cycles of decomposition and new life and mm. decomposition and new life. And I remember wandering in, and it was a super beautiful, only the western United States understands cold and super sunny and crisp. And I wandered into the trees, and they, they really were inviting me in. <clears throat> I had a distinct sense of um, invitation. So I laid down on my back, and I just breathed in um, the smells. I, I let my eyes breathe in the sights. And um, it was like the earth was breathing with me. And in that moment, I, I knew I wasn't alone, and I had a sense that I was loved. Wow. Five years old. 
Yeah, it was, yeah, it was about kindergarten, first grade-ish. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that sort of began my, um, my uh, growing awareness of um, there is more than what we can see and measure. Mm-hmm. And what did you do with that as a, as a young child? Um, well, you know, I guess I just sort of tucked it away. Yes. Um, I, it, it remained in my conscious memory and um, perhaps for a little while. <clears throat> and then um, I tucked it away for um, a season um, until I went to seminary um, in my 40s. And then it came back. Um, just as my research began to unfold. Right. Um, And I know now before you went to seminary, you were involved in elementary education. Is is that correct? Okay. Yes. Yeah. And my first degree is L-Ed, so I'm elementary education in uh, English as a second language. And I got that in Texas. And then my husband and I moved to upstate New York, um, where I got my master's um, in education, and I worked in inner city Rochester, New York, there. I remember reading um, about you, and you said, we often go in the direction of our deep wounds, being with the kids and being in a bit over my head. I didn't really understand the life these children lived and how they taught you. So can can you talk about that and um, tell us a story about Christopher? Yeah, well, we, um, I, <clears throat> I grew up um, on the rougher side of town, but in a predominantly white um, and, and Hispanic um, uh, cultural context in, um, in West Texas. So when I moved to New York, I um, had a draw towards something that was other than myself. And um, uh, I think that's the gift of youth. Um, certainly of even our youth in this day is they have a draw towards something other than themselves. And what a gift that is. Yes. Um, so I, I, I was working in inner city Rochester, New York. And I was sorely... Um, under everything, underprepared, under aware, just under knowledgeable, but being young enough um, to not know that until <laughs> uh, um, I like to quote um, a philosopher, Dallas Willard, who says, reality is what you run into when you're wrong. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> and I, I ran right up, right up against reality, just like a brick wall. Um, with these children who were clearly wounded, um, living with deep wounds and incredible societal challenges. And um, uh, Christopher was kicked out of the cafeteria. Um, His behavior was such that he could no longer eat lunch in the cafeteria any longer. And so he was relegated to spend lunch with me. And I was overwhelmed um, and uh, had no desire to lecture him or whatever. We just were going to occupy the same space. And I thought, let's just, let's have quiet time. And so we shared a lunch together. And over time, I mean, he had to spend the whole year of lunches with me. <laughs> and oh, yeah, I know, bless his heart, <laughs> seriously. It was a terrible punishment for him. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> an incredible gift for me. Uh, he began to talk about his inner life. Um, he talked about it being abandoned by his mother. He talked about his grandmother coming 
um, alongside of him. He talked about the incredible kindness. Imagine incredible kindness of our vice principal, Mr. Bell. Um, he, there was something underneath, pulsing underneath him that the counselors couldn't see, couldn't understand. And um, so I started to ask him questions like, what was good? What is beautiful to you? What is true? So, you know, every now and then I would throw out a question, really never even statements or anything, just wanting to hear what is it, what is it stirring underneath this child? Mm -hmm. And um, it was Christopher really that made the crack and the difficult situation in my own soul to let a little more light in than I knew was possible. Wow. Mm -hmm. And how was that, that it brought a little more light and how did that relationship develop and what, when it ended up happening with that? Um, well, we, we, I mean, he went on to the fifth grade. He was in the fourth grade and um, uh, his behavior actually did change over time. There right. is a wonderful thing about that, a, a wonderful phenomenon around listening another person to life. Wow. Um, having the opportunity to do that and how it, it really does shape and change us when someone is fully present to us and listening. Um, it shaped and changed him. It shaped and changed me. Um, and it's uh, such a gift when, um, to the adult and to the child when we can come together with ourselves fully, fully present. Right. They teach us as much, if not a lot more than what we actually teach them. I know, I know you said that he opened up his sorrows and like you said, started talking about goodness, beauty, and truth. And he needed you not to take the power from him. And mm -hmm. that's exactly what you did. You just listened. And really that must've been maybe the beginning of having spiritual conversations with, with children. Mm. It, it absolutely was. Um, I, I also spent a little time in Kazakhstan as a, as a younger adult mm -hmm. and um, with meeting with children in cancer hospitals and in orphanages. And it was um, in th those were some of the early places where those seeds were sown as well. Um, mostly because I don't speak Kazakh and my Russian will get me thrown in jail. So, right, uh, right. <laughs> so the language barrier meant that I could really only be a listening presence. Um, and it was um, a gift to figure out that um, my presence was enough, not fixing or solving or directing um, to really um, shift the power structure uh, in the room to right. a child. And don't you think a lot, I work in Ethiopia, I'm actually leaving on Friday. Hmm. And even though I have a translator, I also work in a school where the orphans in the community go grades one through five, my favorite hmm. grades. Mm -hmm. And I feel that too, just looking into the children's eyes and just with the love and the energy, it's, it's um, just kind of, ma it is, it's, it's magical just to mm -hmm. have that presence. Wow. Mm -hmm. So, um, and tell us a little bit, then you decided to go to, go to seminary and how did that path develop? Hmm. Well, um, we, um, I lived in New York and, um, my husband and I lived in New York and then we 
we decided to follow the simple life, we thought, and move to Colorado. So we live in Western Colorado in a tiny log cabin with like goats and chickens and everything. Oh, and I'm so envious. I'm going to tell you. <laughs> I just love that. Uh. And, and maybe I could even um, kind of put a plug in to say that um, in order to create space interiorly to listen a child to life, we do have to have space in the exterior as well. Whether that's time, you know, one of the great gifts um, to um, the reciprocal gift of grandparent and grandchild is the gift of time. I mean, I, I can think of my own grandmother. She just had all day long to listen to me. Mm-hmm. And it changed her and changed me. Um, it's just really a reciprocal um, f- uh, gift that floats back and forth. So that internal um, space nearer the external space that we got when we moved to Colorado. Mm -hmm. And from there, I wrote um, curriculum for Houghton Mifflin and McGraw-Hill. I had had by that time a couple of children of my own and wrote curriculum and that kind of thing. And uh, um, just felt this urge since I was a young girl. I always wanted to go to seminary. Um, But grew up in a tradition where women uh, weren't allowed to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, they were allowed to go to seminary, but they went to get married. <clears throat> uh, 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 but there were two mentors in my life who said to me, uh, you need to go to seminary. And they wow. used their voice in my life to um, give me some power shifting authority to me. And so I went and it was there and that I developed a model of spiritual direction with children, of sitting with children. And spiritual direction is really just the practice of accompanying another as they become awake to the divine. Mm, Wow. Mm. And in seminary, when, when you were there, did you always know that you wanted to work, work with children? And where do, where do you think that, that came Mm. from? Mm. Well, I think, you know, we always go in the direction of our wounds. Yeah. Uh, it's very often that that's sort of the, you know, our, our paths aren't linear, they're cyclical. And so we're, we're really moving in a spiral into the heart of the divine, our, our lifelong journey. And so we bring our childhood self and our adolescent self with us into adulthood. And so we often go in the vocational direction of those early wounds. We're working out our own healing. Wow. That's, that's really something to think about. You know, I was just on a plant medicine retreat, and one of the things they suggested that we do is take a picture of when we were like three or four years old and put it like on the screen. I get, I'm getting goosebumps putting it on our phones or <laughs> fortunately <laughs> our phones or whatever we, and just a, uh, check in with that little girl or little boy every once in a while and it just really touched me so Mm -hmm. when I teach workshops I often ask the participants the adult participants to put um um, a pen or pencil in their non-dominant hand and then close their eyes, take three deep breaths because it wakes up the part of the brain that hones in to existential experience and 
and then remember their first experience of goodness, beauty, and truth, or truth, and draw that with their non-dominant hand. And that really invites their childhood self to speak the truth and goodness and beauty that you knew when you were young and bring it into your adult life. What, what made you think of that? Is that something that you learned? Or I've never heard that. And that is so makes so much sense. Oh, oh well, that's, it's, it's actually a theologian, Carl Rahner. Yeah. And he, he said, we don't move from developmental stage to developmental stage to developmental stage. We bring who and what we thought and, and those feelings and experiences with us into our adulthood. I mean, that's why... Um, when I train listeners, um, you know, adults to accompany children, you have to do your inner work with your child, with your, yeah. with your inner child, child, because the resonance is so deep, both the joys and sorrow, both the joys and the sorrows. Mm -hmm. And how do you do that? How do you suggest or in your trainings that a person get in touch with that inner child? Hmm. Well, one major way is through growing awareness. Um, just growing um, uh, awareness of either when we have a reaction that's stronger than the moment allows, um, that is really called for, or we have that deep resonance that happens inside of us. Um, uh, I was trying to explain how the, these resonances happen in us. Um, and I call them sort of pings of the divine. Wow. Um, and uh, I was explaining it to a, an, a group of actually middle school boys. I was saying, you know, goodness, beauty, truth, wonder, awe, oh. unity. You know, I'm trying to help them. And one of them says to me, Lacey, is it like when... Um, you lose your phone and your computer can ping your phone to find it. And I said, it's exactly like that. It's a ping. It's a soul ping. Right, right. And so like here in Colorado, when we see the beautiful Rocky Mountains, we throw our shoulders back and we experience this incredible visceral awe because it's the soul ping. Mm -hmm. And that's that, that extends down to our, through our adolescent self, our childhood self. It is the very sort of essence of who we are as human beings. Right. And you just have to slow down and be more aware and, mm -hmm. and just listen. And I'm sure that prayer and meditation have so much to do with that, mm -hmm. too. Mm -hmm. talk, a little bit, talk a little mm -hmm. bit about prayer, because I'm... You know, I since I've started down this path, I've just really awakened, have awakened to prayer and the importance of that. Mm. So, do you talk to the kids about about prayer? Mm, we do. We um, <clears throat> uh, how we talk about prayer depends on the language that the child brings. Why? Because we meet them where they are. And in this area, many of the children come with a pop cultural understanding kind of about God. And sometimes that can be just um, incredibly toxic, can I just say? Yeah. And so inviting them to a more healthy understanding of the divine can be looking for goodness, beauty, and truth in their experience. Right. Um, so we, um, I often use finger labyrinths. I mean, children are... And this is how children invite us into 
uh, a, a deeper awakening. And, and can I just also say, oh, an awakening we already had when we were children. We're just circling back around. Mm-hmm. Um, I, in, my, in my workshops, in my book, I teach that, um, you know, children's um, selves, uh, their body, their mind, their thoughts, their feelings, their spirit are all integrated. Um, and then as they age, they have to split the self. And um, it's just a, a, a reality. It's not a prescription. It's just a description. Mm-hmm. But then as we age, again, part of the spiritual journey is that those aspects and dimensions of the self come back together again. Um, you know, um, for I, I use this example. <clears throat> There's a wonderful picture of um, Obama in the Oval Office. Uh-huh. And there's a child laying on the floor crying. And you can see that the, oh, she, she's having, she's having a, a, a strong emotion moment, we could say. She's not sad. She looks very angry. Um, and her mother is there as well. And you can see that all the dimensions of the self are connected. What she's thinking, her body is responding to. Mm. She is integrated. Um, her mother is smiling. But you know that she has split the self. That mother is not thinking that it is okay that her children, her child is so angry, you know, making a scene in the Oval Office. So the mother has split the self. And um, and Obama is laughing. He's hysterically laughing, which is funny, I think. He's got to have been integrated um, because he's he's probably really thinking this is hysterical. (laughs) Right, right, right. Because when you say integrating... I, can you just explain that a, a little bit, a little bit more? Sure. Maybe. All the all the dimensions of the self are are talking with each other. Right. Right. Are are touching our one what we say we feel. We don't say I'm okay, and we're really not. Yeah. Yeah. Feelings are so. It's another thing I've learned is. You know, so often we say, "Don't feel that way," or "You shouldn't feel that way," and feelings right. are is kind of. Like that ping, you know, when you really feel and you and you know something, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I know you work um, some in a transitional facility. Can mm-hmm. you? So before we talk about your new book, which I'm excited about, can you tell us about about that? Sure. Um, Haven House is a is a facility, a transitional facility for homeless families, and it's in Olathe, Colorado. And uh, families can can stay for up to two years, and they're um, kind of chronically families that are chronically homeless, and um, they get services and help and job training and therapy and wow. spiritual direction. The children I sit with them in spiritual direction um, every Wednesday. In fact, I'm head there just to, and when we're done mm-hmm. with the podcast and. Uh, and I get to um, sit with them and listen to their joys and their sorrows and help them to recognize this ping in their soul. Wow. And how does that, does it, does it work? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what, what is it when, when they're, I, I'm <clears throat> sure that many feel kind of downtrodden, but, but very happy to be there and be getting, getting the work. So mm-hmm. They're probably so open, though. Mm. Uh, you know, it depends on the child. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. We we come with um, 
Um, I think one of the big surprises maybe in my work about spiritual, you know, thinking of listening with children and, and hearing these spiritual conversations um, is that, um, and in training others to do it, is that we come with romanticized versions of what children should be feeling. Um, we come with a lot of shoulds. And so we, instead of listening for what is, we end up really um, listening for what we think they sh- how they should be feeling. Right. And um, uh, I, I like to use the acronym BOW, B-O-W, Body Open as a way of how does an adult um, become fully present to a child or to anyone, really. What was the W because you went out for a second? Oh, wonder. Wonder. Body, Ah. openness, and wonder. One of my favorite words. Yeah. Wonder. Yeah, that we, you know, we we don't have our phones near us. Um, Our shoulders are facing the child. We are, our arms and legs are uncrossed. We're, We're saying with our bodies, I welcome you. Yeah. I welcome you. All of you. All of you. Yeah. And, and, and the openness is, um, I'm going to set aside my preconceived. So whether it's my romanticized version or it's my um, discomfort with the sadness that you might bring. Yes. Children can bring an incredible amount of sadness. They are dealing with existential questions at very, very young ages. And the only reason we haven't heard them is because we came in without openness to listen to them. Yeah. We, we want, we ex, our expectation was that what they were going to talk about were, was something superficial. And so we just entirely missed it. There's a whole body of research that um, helps us understand that if we um, uh, come in with the expectation of depth, we will find it. Right. That's so true because I think so, so many, they, they want to connect with kids, but it's always the same questions. How school? What'd you have for lunch? Did, you know, it's not that, which, and I think this is a great transition to talking about your book because I'd like to read, read something that, um, explaining your book that you wrote. We are born into this world with a natural longing to connect to God and other human beings when children have a listening companion who hears, acknowledges, and encourages their early experiences with God, it creates a spiritual footprint that shapes their lives. How can we increase our capacity to engage children in spiritual conversations? And this is what your book is about. So, so mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about that. I know you introduce key skills, um, posture, power. Um, posture, power, and patterns. Mm-hmm. And um, so tell us a little bit about that. Well, this book is... Do you have a, a, do you have a picture of it? Oh, or, yeah. Okay, great. Not that people can see it on audio. Beautiful. No. Oh, I love that picture. Oh, I, and um, I, uh, I'd be glad to send you like the front of it because yes. I do a, a Visio Divina, a divine scene with it. There is so much about the cover of the book that is invitational. And what did you just say? Divine what? Uh, uh, Visio Divina, which is a divine seeing where we, we're divine. There's a, yes. an ancient Christian practice called Lexio Divina, a divine reading. And this is a divine seeing. 
Yeah, if you look at the cover, the top is blue. There's a little bit of green in the middle. There's earth on the bottom. It's like a landscape. Yes. Because children's spirituality is earthy. It is earthy. Yeah. I mean, where we might look at the mountains and throw our shoulders back in awe. I mean, it wasn't very long ago. I was just outside with a child who was throwing his shoulders back in awe at a praying mantis. And, and he just dropped to his knees. And he, was, and he was just like, thank you, God. And you know what he named were food stamps. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. They came just in time. They came just in time. Uh, so it, could you possibly take a picture? Maybe we could put it in the show notes just so people could see oh, the, that. the image? Yes, yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, it, I'll send you. I have a, a PDF right, of it. Right. Okay, great. And he thanked God yeah, for he, the food stamps. He, oh, he he totally did. And, you know, he was oh. led. He was led to that ping of gratitude by a praying mantis. Oh, my gosh. That just, Wow. That is really touching. I honor the stories that um, the children tell me, so I honor their confidences. Yes. No story that I ever tell, I've gotten permission for one, Mm -hmm. um, and then I've changed some of the details. Yeah. So um, it's incredibly important that we honor children's stories with our silence. Yeah. Of course, we break that silence when they tell us something that we need to get them help. Um, absolutely. And I always say that when I sit with the child, I say, you know, I'm going to be entirely present to you. And whatever you tell me, I will not tell another soul mm-hmm. unless you tell me that um, you're, go- you're being hurt, you're going to hurt someone else. And then I, I care for you enough to get you help. And I will do that. And that's, that creates the safe space. It's yes. a covenant that we make with yes. each other. Is that, were you just being, going back to Christopher, because that's such mm-hmm. a beautiful story. Um, is that, was it just the quietness that he, he just finally opened up one day? You know, I think it was quietness, but I think it's also this one thing that we don't have in modernity. Leisure. It's holy leisure. What what else were we going to do? <laughs> there was no assignment. <clears throat> if holy leisure or maybe maybe holy boredom. What else? We it takes 5 minutes to eat your lunch. Yes. The lunch hour was half an hour. What else were we going to do? And the quietness just creates as you say a, a sacred space. Mm. It just let me get out of the way, really. Right, right. Well put. So would you tell us would you like to tell us a little bit more about about your book? Sure. It's um it comes from uh, my experiences with the children at Haven House and and also um just experiences of life <clears throat> of being with children. Um uh it has questions in it. So there are some great existential questions um to help you open up um and ask some questions of children. It'll teach you how to be fully present, to listen for your own child. There are um, like reflection questions called soaking it in at the end of each chapter that just because being with children will change us. And um, so um, 
to be faithful in our good work, we're going to need to do some processing. <laughs> yeah. So those are invitations to process. Well, what have been the greatest lessons that you have learned from the children you've worked with? Mm, the greatest lessons. There's been so many. Yeah. Um, um, I think one is um, uh, finitude is a gift. Children seem to accept that they don't know things, and that opens them up to mystery. And as an adult, we, and especially kind of with tech, just so much information at our fingertips, Mm -hmm. we can just squash the not knowing out of us. And that leaves us less open to mystery and wonder and awe and beauty and sort of those surprises of pings that sometimes pressed in on us. I was just, I was just reading something yesterday about about meditating or or you know the ping and it it said, you know, just sit and daydream. I had not heard that word for a long time, you know, just daydream. And that's when that creative self or that mystery that the children just carry around with them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One of the spiritual practices that I um, encourage parents to do with children is to go outside, lay in the yard and watch the clouds for half an hour every day all summer. Yeah. It will, it will neuro- neurologically, it will reshape the brain. There's no way not to. And there's, there's great evidence around mindfulness and just that um, allowing ourselves to um, uh, release and settle in, really opening up the prefrontal cortex um, to um, uh, more stability, more stable mental health, um, lower anxiety, so that... Um, but this is life giving to us on so many levels. Yes, that was my next question. How does this, you know, change them, help them walk through this life a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, a little bit stronger than mm-hmm. inner sense of guidance? Mm-hmm. Well, um, we need to wrap this up, unfortunately. But would you please come back and talk? I, I could talk about this kind of stuff all day. And, you know, I just found you. I don't know if it was through a, did I tell you how I found you? I don't even remember that I was reading your bio. I'm like, I've got to, I've got to get a hold of this person. So I want to thank you from my heart for, Mm -hmm. for sharing you. The work you're doing is just, it's so important. And is there anything that I didn't ask you that you'd like to, like to share with our listeners? Maybe, maybe one thing. Sure. And we can, I think, this is one gift that children offer to us. Something deep in them knows that the universe will hold. So maybe that we are held. Yes. Beautiful. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. And if people want to find out more about you, before I wanted to ask you, good dirt. Mm-hmm. I think now I know what it means, <laughs> ministry, <laughs> those children, so so with the nature and, yeah. and the, yeah, yeah. So that's, mm-hmm. that's where that came from. That's right. Great, that's right. great. So people mm-hmm. want to find out more about you. Um, where can they find you? 
Mm, GoodDirtMinistries.org um, is my website. Okay. And, um, you know, I, the book is Amazon or um, InterVarsity Press. So, right. And you said it's not coming out till March. Is that right? Or, yeah, or can we get it, it comes now? Up, I think you can get it now from InterVarsity Press. I think right. Amazon's not releasing it till March. But, okay, yeah. great. Okay, well, thank you so much. It has been a privilege to chat with you, and mm. I'll definitely be in touch. It's good to be with you, Marla. Okay. Have a great day. You too. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening in today. If you want to learn more about the show, you can find us at interviewswithinnocence.com and on Facebook or Instagram at interviewswithinnocence. Please write me a message. Tell me what you liked and let me know what else you would like to hear. I would love to hear from you. And if you liked what you heard, please leave us an iTunes rating and review. It helps other listeners find the show. Thank you.